Hello my loves, Jazza here. Before we dive into this episode, which is a little bit different because we're trying to navigate the writer and actor strike in Hollywood at the moment. We'll tell you a bit more about that in a second. Just wanted to thank Jennifer and Toby for being our rainbow parents on Patreon and supporting us at the highest possible tier. You two continue to rock our socks off. So, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema and games now, I guess. One glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza John. In each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. Or games. This or episode's games. <laughs> genre is... Oh no, this is fucked up. Um, Queer... Gaming. gaming boop boop beep boop um all be revealed but specifically jazza is going to be walking me through the first triple a game series and i absolutely definitely know what that means to have an explicitly queer protagonist the last of us which was recently adapted for television so i at least have some idea of what's going on with the plot vaguely sort of <laughs> well i just want to say i deliberately had to type out in the script for you the word triple and then a rather than a a a which is how it's usually written because i knew that because you knew were, that i wouldn't i'd be like a noob yeah exactly um i'm actually really excited about this because uh, rowan is very much going to be a fish out of water here um and i like showing that i know things um but I'm actually rather excited about this, um, but Rowan, you've never played a game in your life, which I'm not sure is actually true, um, but what is this all about? We're a movie podcast. Why are we doing games? Well, I don't know whether you've noticed, gang, but there's some <laughs> strikes going on. The workers are protesting for their rights. Um, so essentially, there is a, a Hollywood strike at the moment. The Writers Guild and the Actors Union, basically, they are on strike. And as part of what they've asked people solidarity-wise to do, it is not entirely clear, but from what we can see, the stuff that we do on the Queer Movie Podcast falls under potentially struck work, meaning that we don't want to be doing it if it's going to be crossing a picket line or scabbing or in any way taking away work from those who are striking. And so we have decided to, as of right now, not cover movies from the struck companies, um, which is the companies essentially that they are negotiating with. However, it turns out that is every company um truly it's every so hard <laughs> like literally i was looking at movies that are from like the 70s and 60s and it's like oh looks like they're on netflix somewhere in the world so yeah. we will this this is kind of like a stopgap to give us some time i think to figure out how we're gonna approach the strike um and all of those kind of things but this is like a fun little thing for us to do while we figure out how we as like content creators that really want to make sure that we're supporting the writers and the actors to figure out how we can continue to do that but also you know make content for you all and this is uh very much up jazza's street jazza is indeed a gamer with a y um mm -hmm. and thank you and i very much do not understand games whatsoever. I think I've played a little bit of Sims when I was over at people's houses as a child. I know the mother load pass code cheat thing to get loads of money. And I Excellent. would kind of just help them build a house and then I would never play the game. I believe I played Nanosaur on the family computer, which uh -huh. I think when I was playing it, I thought it was the most realistic game ever. I implore anyone listening right now to Google Nanosaw and to look at how 
horrendously bad the graphics are. There's a bit where you have to like jump over lava. And I truly, when I was playing it as a child, thought it was the most stressful thing in the world. It's the worst graphics. It's embarrassing. I tell you what though, that, um, uh, is it a Velociraptor? Yeah, a Velociraptor with guns maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a, uh, like a, a, a gun on its back. Yeah pretty sad mm-hmm. yeah i feel like really i should have led with the idea that you are a dinosaur for the majority of, well for the entirety of this game but yes. i i basically just don't know gaming i don't understand it but it's a big part of jazz's world and i as a friend <laughs> want to understand their life their loves um and i think gaming is a big part of that so i thought it might be interesting to talk about queerness in gaming in some way in an episode and i sort of put it to jazza and jazza went okay but how and then i <laughs> and then i sent a list of questions because i don't know whether just appreciated how little i know about games and potentially mm-hmm. how little other people do or maybe that they they are gamers but haven't necessarily thought about the queer implications or characters or or uh, representation that are in them so i'm very excited to learn me some stuff and i'm i'm pumped to talk about it this is going to be really fun but rowan before we go about petting giraffes which i hope is a scene oh that is a reference that, yeah that yeah I, you that understand, understand that one. yes good 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 excellent um what's the gayest thing that you've done since the last episode uh oh last time we recorded did i had my book been <laughs> taken out of the VNA? i don't think it had been oh, oh my so God, i guess that that's pretty saga. gay yeah, yeah my go book on. got removed from the young vna bookshop and i'm currently i've spent a lot of my time in the last few weeks talking to journalists and writing emails and you know various things behind the scenes I can't talk about uh to do with it because you know transphobia loves to be alive and well in the institutions of Britain uh so it's a depressing gay thing do you have a more exciting and and joyful gay thing you can bring to the table from the last few weeks I do have an uh, I do have that but I also just want to say hey Rowan at every cloud at least you looked really hot in every single photo that they chose to put of you in the media representation right yeah. the, the evening the evening standard did a little tiny little story on it and they didn't ask me for comment they didn't contact me and so they didn't ask me for like what photo i wanted normally that's what journalists do and you have to also give them like credit for who took the photo instead they took a photo from my instagram where i am in a floor-length skin-tight velvet dress and they did like remove background on it so it's just me looking really like fancy hot. and hot next mm. to a post like a some people are trans get over it poster and i'm like the fact that i don't have an actual physical copy of that that i can just save in my scrapbook of life is is homophobia at its finest maybe we can ask well actually no i'm not gonna call up the even standard and ask for a, a copy <laughs> um so my my gayest thing is um i decided to leave new york where i live um <gasps> and go to amsterdam to see a boy that's pretty, that is pretty gay. And that's all I'm going to say about the matter. Oh, Thank you very excellent. much. excellent. Okay. I never, I mean, I didn't ask, but I appreciate the... Can you, no, please, no questions. No questions. No, further no questions. photos and no questions, please. <laughs> I really want someone, any super fans of the podcast who want to go through and do some kind of like tally of what our gayest thing of the week has involved. Like Mine always how involves many sex. it's you and mine sex always, versus yeah, me, yeah. just various <laughs> projects. Mine is mine is sex or a, a queer sport. Yes. Like those, those, the two genders, actually. Mm, those indeed. are the only two options. Those are. <laughs> 
Usually, we split the plot up into three acts, but we're going to do things a little differently this time. We're going to have a conversation about queer representation in gaming in general, and I'm going to explain to Rowan what a game is, and how things have developed since Nanosaur was <laughs> loaded into Iconic PCs Iconic queer across... representation Nanosaur. <laughs> Um, some questions that we're going to be answering are, do the gays game? Why do the gays game? And who are the gamer gays? Did you, were you inspired by the, do you wear wigs? Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't. From that? Because that was very much, do you wear wigs? Will you wear wigs? Have you ever worn a wig? <laughs> do you game? Will you ever game? Mm -hmm. uh, we will then dive specifically into The Last of Us, which means that the podcast will contain spoilers for the first game throughout. So if you haven't played it or watched the aforementioned series, um, we highly recommend doing so. And then we'll be moving on to talk briefly about The Last of Us 2, which could spoil kind of upcoming TV show stuff. So if you prefer to not be spoiled for that, we will give you a heads up so you can pause the podcast there um, before we dive in. Without further ado, let's look for the light and play <gasps> The Last of Us. So how I guess we're going to do this first section on gaming in general, the gay, the gay gaming in general. Mm -hmm. And how the gays game and gaming in games. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I'm going to be the worst interviewer of all time <laughs> in that I'm not going to be like, I know about this topic and let's dive deep. It's going to be me being like, what is that game? Um, so, <laughs> so what is normal for gaming in terms of queer representation? Do you have a sense of, you know, whether this is something that's more or less representative than other um, kind of areas of TV or movies? Is it kind of really depends on the studio, the studio, gaming studios, companies? Um, the, de the developer. The developers, But yes, also there course. are gaming studios as well. Okay. I, I, I think that gaming has a similar relationship to queerness and the representation of queerness that a lot of um uh, the kind of stuff that we usually talk about like studio and t like film and tv stuff has in that quite a lot of it originally is baked into kind of like specifically like the people making the decisions are are, are, are cis white men and there is also added baggage in the gaming industry but I think is slowly being worn away that gamers are young men in their, well, young boys and men, generally like a little bit socially awkward, who are only interested in kind of like fighting games and stuff like that. Very often, the stereotype that you have is like somebody playing something like Call of Duty, which is a war game, Rowan, um, or Fortnite, which is a war game with... With dancing. Um, with dancing. <laughs> Yeah, really, actually. Nice. That is a stereotype that we're gradually chipping away at. So something like 47% of gamers are actually women. That includes stuff like mobile gaming and um, uh, stuff that we wouldn't stereotypically think about as games. Um, and a recent Nielsen poll showed that um, at least 10% of people who regularly play games identify as LGBTQ plus as well. Now, when you have that kind of like representation, but the media doesn't necessarily reflect the people who are playing the games, you end up with uh, lots of stuff happening around the periphery that queers this 
kind of like traditionally masculine space so you'll have like explicitly queer communities in online multiplayer games um, on places like discord Um, you have loads of phenomena that are very similar to like the book scene or the film scene where you'll have not necessarily fanfic in games but you'll have a lot of fan artwork that maybe queers particular characters or ships particular um, characters together there's also a lot of stuff that happens outside of the actual narrative of games like if you are a young boy and you decide to play um uh, a woman fighting character for example chung li is like the the classic chung li is the um is the fighting character the woman that um, every young gay boy has always chosen since the dawn of time because she's fucking fabulous and kicks ass these are ways of kind of like being able to and have been shown to be ways that queer young queer people are able to experiment with their expression and discover some stuff about themselves in terms of their identity around uh, gender sexuality etc i mean that's kind of interesting like i did a video a, a little while ago maybe a year or two ago now around D and i was thinking about that and as it, well. it it's feels a like a similar thing, a similar thing in terms of like having an avatar or like a character or someone that you're playing through that allows you to explore that in a way that's not necessarily like changing something about yourself or how you present or what you're doing in like the real world um mm-hmm. in a way but that that like level of play and exploration can be done through gaming i guess in different channels including video games yeah exactly and your ability to kind of like there are some games like world of warcraft final fantasy 14 like these and even things like the sims which is probably the gayest uh game ever made of all time i would argue where your ability to customize an avatar really does kind of like allow for you to try that skin on very black mirror Allah fighting vipers kind of mm. vibes. The actual explicit representation of queerness in video games from the developers and from the companies that are like making these games though has only recently started to kind of like turn around in the more mainstream spaces. Like Ellie was the first explicitly LGBT character. Ellie from The Last of Us was the first explicitly LGBT main character of a triple A, so like a blockbuster video game. And that was released, I believe, yeah, it was released in 2020. So that was the first time we've had a game of that scale actually have wow. like a, an explicitly queer main character. There is a um, character in GTA who says he's bisexual, but not, like it's it's a throwaway line really mm. and isn't like a key thing. And it's more of like a sensationalist thing about the character because GTA. Do you think that there is an element of like why that hasn't happened that's to do with the idea of like, if you're playing a game, you're playing as a character and that it might be, more understandable or more like for for studios or the people making the decisions to have a movie where you're not literally having to relate to the character in such an immediate way that you can you're watching a character go through something whereas if you're playing a game where you have a limitation of like okay here is the character you play during this game that Mm -hmm. there was maybe an idea that it might put more people off you might watch a gay character but wouldn't want to play as them and inhabit them in some way yeah, press X to gay. And it's definitely like another like layer and level of the challenge of being able to have this kind of representation in protagonists in main characters. Like I said, there, there is this um, perception of like who a game's audience are, and it tends to be anchored on, uh, if not explicitly men, but like very masculine culture. And there is a uh, general consensus 
uh, across the gaming industry um, or has been in the past that once you take something explicitly out of what the male experiences or the male gaze would be so something outside of like heterosexual relationships sexualization of women like bro culture and all of those kinds of things that takes people out of the fun or takes a a masculine player out of the fun and the escapism that is allowed within a lot of these games and then turns it into something that is more taxing for them in terms of being able to understand and empathize with different characters and arguably that is that's why i love gaming because when i'm playing as ellie i'm not watching her do stuff i am doing the stuff like when i choose to interact with a character or to tell a joke or whatever i've made that decision myself in in a way i'm in the body and in the decision-making of Ellie. And that extra layer is not necessarily something that a lot of gamers necessarily want when they just kind of want to chill out at the end of the day, right? Not everybody is looking for a teaching experience. And I think just having queer characters there who maybe it isn't even, their their identity isn't even a major part of their storyline or the gameplay or whatever... But just having that character there can take a lot of those people who aren't used to being exposed to that kind of media and that kind of experience can take them out of the escapism of gaming. Love that. There's also games, right, where you have sort of options. So it's not necessarily set in stone the idea of like, this character will have this relationship with this one person. That's what we're building towards. There's like a storyline behind it. But the idea of like, you can have like romanceable characters it's a phrase that I've heard before of like, you mm -hmm. know, you have your character has the option to romance various genders and it's almost like down to the player what they decide they want to, where they want to go with it. So are you gay if you didn't take all of your sims and make them get gay married in like the year 2000? Kiss, kiss, kiss. So I don't know if you know this, um, but uh, that was actually a bug in the code. Ooh, I was going to ask yeah, you about this. So, yeah, so yeah. um, uh, uh, in a demo for the game before it launched, uh, I believe it was at an E3 conference, RAP, they had a gameplay section where somebody was able to romance two female characters and they had a lesbian wedding years before this was something that was um available in in most countries across the um world anything along those lines and so and then it like it was an accident it spread like wildfire and e3 got such a positive response that they decided to keep the bug in the game and then ever since then you've been able to romance whomever any adult sim can romance another adult sim um and woohoo as they uh as, as they, they say. say but that that kind of way of being able to have a pan approach to any games that have romance elements thinking about stuff like stardew valley some of the um most kind of like celebrated rpgs in this genre stuff like dragon age and um, mass effect where you can romance like uh, slugs and um, uh, alien minotaurs and people of all genders and all that's over the place. what the gay rights movement has been working yeah towards. romancing slugs 100 percent but it's fucking yeah, yeah. a minotaur 
I mean, you should come to the Eagle on a Saturday night. That's pretty much what happens. Um, <laughs> but like that, that ability to to in Mass Effect, especially, you play Shepard, who can be a man or a woman, and then can romance absolutely fucking anybody in the game, and that can include uh, queer romances, of course. And as such, are games and properties that a lot of the queer community have gravitated towards because of that ability to kind of like experiment a little bit. Fuck a minotaur if you want, you know? Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, has is this something that like as it's becoming more acceptable? But if we're saying that within the blockbuster games, this is like it's been more of an indie game thing, I guess, because in blockbuster games, if this was only mm-hmm. in 2020, like that is so recently. Do you feel like that is something that is creeping into mainstream games in a more acceptable way? Or are we still at a place where it's still controversial and it's still getting a lot of pushback and it's you kind of still have to either make it yourself through something like The Sims rather than it being like a set part of the um, the storylines of these more mainstream games? There's been... I, th- I, I appreciate you bringing up the difference between like the indie gaming space and the mainstream kind of like blockbuster AAA space. Because I think they are very different mainly because they are looking for to engage with very different player bases. Like one of I one of the first games that's ever been that was ever explicitly queer was one called Caper in the Castro, which was a detective That's very it was a, gay. <laughs> it was a detective adventure game that was released in 1989 um uh to raise Damn. money for the AIDS crisis. That's incredible. Which is very, very cool. And then there's been some really great queer uh, representation in some other smaller games. So ones like Gone Home is a big one, which actually I streamed on my channel, which came out the same year as The Last of Us. Life is Strange as well, which is like a really fantastic queer game about um, uh, where the character comes to terms with their own sexuality. And so there's lots more options in the indie space because they're going for... I mean, kind of like us as a podcast, right? We're not a broad appeal podcast, but we go really deep with the people who listen to us and and engage with us. It's a similar thing with the indie game space. Like you're going for a narrower audience. Maybe you're going for all of the queers and then just going really deep with them. Whereas you need a broader appeal for the AAA Mm -hmm. games. We have a huge problem in gaming as well, where there is a very toxic culture towards anything that is explicitly social justice quote unquote. Mm. So the second Last of Us game where Ellie is explicitly queer throughout, where there is um, there are other kind of like more explicitly queer themes that we'll talk about further down the road in the podcast. Don't worry, we're not going to spoil it yet. But that had a huge amount of pushback from certain parts of reddit and twitter shall mm. we say in the commentary app the game of the those uh essentially and like to be fair there are lots of people who didn't like the direction that the franchise went in the last of us 2 beyond a lot of that but i think a lot of it is steeped in why are you making me play and do these queer things like i just want to be joel again mm. and, like shoot zombies in the head and stuff like that and I think that there's something very disingenuous about that. I think that The Last of Us, especially as an IP, has been disguises itself as a game that is like a zombie shooter, but actually is almost more really like it's got great gameplay, but it's it's a movie that you play in a lot of ways. And so Mm. has more of a license to be able to challenge the viewer in a lot of those themes and did that throughout the last of us one and the dlc 
as well did some really genuinely what I think are groundbreaking ways of being able to do storytelling and they did that in the second game but some of the themes felt a bit ick I think to a lot of the traditional player base who wanted another they just wanted to shoot zombies in the head do you play solely as joel in the first one or do you play as ellie and joel no you take over as ellie it, it, joel is the main character that you play as but sometimes you will take over as ellie in certain parts of it interesting and then the dlc where there is and the dlc is what does that stand for downloadable content oh of course um uh which just are, for the like, people who don't know things. who are listening <laughs> no, you know not me obviously i knew no, of that course. totally yeah yeah, yeah. The people did, listening. Yeah. yeah yeah but the dlc um left behind is the only bit of the game where uh ellie is kind of like explicitly queer and actually really you could argue it's literally the last five minutes of that gameplay where she as in the tv show kisses riley and then zombies come and that and that, and that's it really but it does kind of like it sets up that theme of ellie's identity as kind of like something that that um garner's being further explored in like the second game i would argue and they do do mm. that to a certain extent so with the okay just you know for other people yeah. who don't know with the mm -hmm. dlc is that something that is within the first game or is that something that's different so you could play the first game and Correct. never engage with the dlc yeah. if you 100 percent the main game the dlc is like additional content that you don't have to engage with in any way shape or form so it's very possible that you could have and actually i hadn't played the dlc before playing the last of us 2 even though like the internet went wild when um ellie had that kiss so i kind of i knew what happened in the dlc but i hadn't played it until after actually i completed the last of us 2 so it's very possible for you to have never engaged with ellie's sexuality in any way before the second game interesting so okay let's i feel like it's probably time unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about in the context of like queer gaming in general to to move on and talk specifically about the last of us i think that the last thing that I want to kind of talk about is in in many ways, it's the best time it's ever been to be queer, but it's also a really shitty time to be queer. And that gets reflected and sometimes amplified, I think, in gaming culture. Online harassment and abuse is kind of like a huge thing in gaming. And you will often see people choosing to, if they're in a live chat, for example, when they're playing a, a first person shooter um, where they're being paired with strangers on the Internet, people will often disguise their voices or use something like press to talk and all of those kinds of things to avoid harassment based on their the fact that they're women that they're lgbtq plus or if they're um not white for example there are i mean i log on to overwatch still yes i still play overwatch don't come for me but i still get called a by like a 13 year old every now and again um uh and that is just kind of like something something that is priced into the gaming experience. If you are coded as a, as something that is outside of a white cis man or a white cis teenage boy, uh, you will get abuse mm. almost definitely. And that is, it's a it's a an important thing for game developers and the platforms that host these communities to make sure that all of these spaces have the tools and the policies in place that allow people from not the mainstream culture to feel uh, safe 
to be able to engage with these IPs. Mm. Well said. Oh, thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Jazza here for the ad read of the podcast today. We continue to be part of Multitude, and Multitude is a collection of podcasts that all kind of pull their resources together, and we like to shout out our siblings every now and again, and today's shout out goes to Spirits. Spirits is a history and comedy podcast focused on everything from folklore, mythology, and the occult, told through the lenses of feminism, queerness, and modern adulthood. Every week, mythology buff Julia and her childhood best friend Amanda get together to learn about a different story from mythology and folklore over drinks. That's everything from the mythological origins of major franchises like Lord of the Rings and Wonder Woman, to modern urban legends, to a roundup of werewolf stories from around the world. Start listening with any of the 300 plus episodes they've released over the last seven years. There's so much to enjoy, whether you're here for analysis of mental health in mythology or creepy modern ghost stories. Dive into the wonderful dynamism between these two individuals at spiritspodcast.com or search spirits wherever you download your podcast and you can listen to Julia who edits this episode. She's very good. We are also continuing to be sponsored by Squarespace who can help you buy a domain and create a website. We've been talking about how much we love using Squarespace for our website creation, giving us access to stuff like analytics, the creation of email campaigns, and connecting all of your social media presence in one place. We know you hear about Squarespace from all of your favorite media offerings, and we know that everybody has their own discounts, but ours is the best because it helps us it really does whenever you uh, sign up using our promo code please uh, consider supporting the queer movie podcast all you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash queer movie that's all one word and when you set up to make a website or to register a domain or uh, any of those things you can use the offer code Queer movie to save 10 percentage points off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Remember to go to squarespace.com slash queer movie. Do it. Okay, <laughs> back to the show. So we're going to talk about The Last of Us as an example. Um, but just for, if there's anyone listening who isn't familiar with, with the game, can you sort of describe it in a sentence or two, Jazza? Yes. And here are the spoilers. So you play primarily as the grizzled, middle-aged dad of everyone on the internet, uh, Joel, who is tasked with transporting the young 14-year-old Ellie to a different part of the United States in a post-apocalyptic world where mushroom zombies have taken over. And it's less cute than that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> the mushrooms are terrifying and not just like cute little mushroom toadstool people. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's not like Toad from uh, Mario. Yeah, I was thinking that, over. but I didn't yeah. have enough gaming knowledge to make the exact reference, but that was the exact yeah, okay, image yeah. I had. In my <laughs> Although I'd play that fucking game. Mm -hmm. Whoever wants to. <laughs> Someone needs to do the edit from the Mario movie crossed <gasps> with The Last of Us. Oh, 100%. That needs to exist. But yeah, this basically, and spoiler, uh, Ellie 
is immune to the zombie virus or, or to the not not the virus to the zombie <laughs> mushrooms mushroom fungus <laughs> fungus yeah the zombie the zombie fungus so she needs to be transported to people who could actually possibly um create a cure from create her a cure yeah exactly. classic um and the ending if you've seen the show you'll lose you know this but the ending is she the only way to be able to turn her immunity into a cure is by killing her and joel she never knows this joel decides to kill everyone else who could possibly find a cure rather than let ellie die also there's giraffes at some point classic Okay, so The Last of Us. I am fascinated to know because you said about the idea that like you could play the whole first game and not know about these queer characters. Who are the characters who I guess at some point we discover are queer within The Last of Us itself? Within the base game. Um, so Last of Us vanilla without the downloadable content where Ellie uh, kisses her best friend. The only queer characters are... Bill and Frank, mm-hmm. from the episode A Long Long Time, from the TV show. But famously, that is the that is the part of the TV show that is mo- the most diverges from the storyline of the game. You can, com- I would argue that you can completely miss. Like Bill is a is a key non playable character NPC, mm. right? Um, for the children at home who don't know, mm-hmm. Bill is is like a, a is a loved, a well-loved NPC in the game because he's like this uh, prepper who's pretty badass, who has a load of traps. He introduces like a a new type of gameplay into the game and he's a really charismatic character. I would argue you can go through the whole game and completely miss the fact that the partner that he's talking about isn't like a howdy partner. Yeah, or a business partner. Or a business partner. The confusion that we have as queer people of what do you mean by partner? Yeah, what is partner to you? Yeah, exactly. Um, you can go through it without uh, knowing that Frank is a romantic interest of, or, or a romantic partner of Bill. It is there in... So the way that the gameplay works is a lot of the extra lore and the um, background of characters and stuff is uh, left in artifacts that you can find around like the areas where you're traversing. So it'll be little handwritten notes or it'll be remains of a body or whatever. Um, and you can miss these. Like you can miss those things. And quite a lot of Bill and Frank's implied romance and story is in those artifacts that you can very easily miss in the base game Mm, interesting so even though that is the most beautiful queer story that i have seen i think ever portrayed in any media and the tv show and even though i love bill as a npc in the last of us they're not that gay to be Mm. completely honest and that's as gay as the base game gets it gets explicit with the downloadable content where we have very similarly to again very similarly this time to the tv show where we have ellie flitting between the flashbacks of her last day with riley where she gets bit riley being her best friend this is correct flashbacks from before she meets joel correct and ellie scavenging to try and fight save the life of joel and that kiss is it kind of comes out, you kind of like see, it really comes out, I, I, I kind of miss the fact that, um, oh, I, I'm sad about the fact that I couldn't, I didn't get to experience this blind, 
Mm. Like I would have really have liked to have experienced it blind. But I would argue there is nothing in the game that makes that implies that Ellie is a little bit queer until they start dancing together on the cabinet top. And there's kind of like, you know, that moment just before somebody kisses Mm. and that happens and you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is happening. Yeah, this is, oh my God. And then they kiss and then they apologize and they go, what are you apologizing for? And then they die. Classic. Yeah, yeah, kill you, bury your gays. But it's, you know, it's the apocalypse. So they're all getting buried. No, no matter if they're gay or not, everyone's yeah. getting buried. Well, and, exactly. then and then they're not getting buried. They're still alive. They're up on the, no one's getting buried. That's kind of the issue. It's a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, they turn into a mushroom zombie. Mm-hmm. This DLC does not exist in order to out Ellie. It exists to be able to, I would argue, the major reason that this exists is to explore the themes of fear and loss that Ellie especially is having in in the apocalypse. She's lost every person that she's loved. And at the point of this game, in this DLC, she is on the verge of possibly losing her father figure of losing Joel. And so we are reminded of how she also lost her best friend and maybe, and like you could argue, like maybe first crush for example and i know i know this uh, like it's it's not necessarily like i kind of hate it when people are like the gay thing isn't even really the point but the gay thing isn't even really the point mm. but i've never really seen that many queer people surviving the apocalypse mm, yeah <laughs> you know and the fact and the idea and the acknowledgement that queerness even exists when the world is falling apart like it isn't this luxurious thing that we've all decided because when the Romans started to be to accept queerness, the Roman civilization um, collapsed. Um, I know uh, these decadent queers taking down civilization. Queer. Yeah, we're not just decadent queers. We're also zombie apocalypse mm. queers. And I That's kind of... Decadent queers is going to be the queer movie podcast first merch <laughs> drop. It's just decadent okay. queer merch. Not going to lie. I, I do kind of love kind that. Kind of into it. The party on its aftermath and decadent queers. <laughs> they go together so well. <laughs> so I don't know how far this has been talked about by the writers or the, the developers um, of The Last of Us, of the initial game. Mm. Was it always a plan to have Ellie be queer? Was that something that has been talked about as being like, this was our plan all along? Or was it kind of like a, we decided to add that additional content or we decided to kind of like, it, it came about because it developed either further down into the writing process or like after that initial game had been a success. I've not heard them explicitly talk about this. Interesting. Uh, however, I will say generally DLC um, and its content is already planned when a game is launched. Like they already kind of like have an idea of what they want to release usually. Um, and so I would be very surprised if at least the broad content of the DLC wasn't mm. already decided on and also um the way that neil Druckmann, um who is the creative director of the game is also a producer i think of the tv show um has a has a creative role on the tv show and is president of the developer naughty dog naughty dog by the way also did crash bandicoot so who knows oh fun you know another famous queer icon (laughs) (laughs) classic adhd queer crash bandicoot one definitely um a king yeah i would be very surprised kind of like having seen how he and like the rest of the creative team um talk about their creative process i'd be really surprised 
if they didn't have that already baked in mm-hmm. because they think so deeply about kind of like the direction that these characters go. And I think it I think it is time at this point to move on to talk about The Last of Us 2 because from what I know about this game, the queerness is like everywhere. It's all, over it. yeah. it's all over it they can't like a fungal infection almost uh, <laughs> oh, it's no. <laughs> little fungus, toads right? running around little everywhere tiny toads so okay if d- doing the same sort of like at, at this point everyone listening we are going to be talking about the last of us too as warned earlier we will be spoiling it so if you if not your thing please pause here thank you so much for listening yeah and e- even if you haven't played the game and don't intend to play the game it is we don't know this yet but it is very likely that what we're going to talk about from now on in is going to spoil the upcoming TV series. Which yeah, so be warned. isn't going to be launched until like 2025. Maybe you'll forget by the... You'll listen to this and you're forgotten by the time it comes around. Um, yeah. But could you, Jazza, do a similar couple of sentence summary of like what is going on in The Last of Us 2? Where, where are we from where we left off at the end of The Last of Us? So you remember Joel. I do. Who you play as, who is everyone's Gruff favorite, dad, yeah. Yeah, gruff gaming daddy. Mm-hmm. He gets murdered really really um graphically by a woman called abby who has like a who has a big muscular frame she get she kills him with a golf club because joel killed her parents so that's like the first revenge thing and then ellie who sees her adopted dad get murdered with a golf club then goes on to find the person who killed her adopted dad goes to find abby to seek revenge Mm -hmm. it's a it's a classic revenge plot essentially and it is much (laughs) arguably it is much darker the characters are much less are much more kind of like mature and less uh uh, there's a a lot less childlike joy Mm. in the second game as well so because you were wandering around with a 14 year old in the last of us one the Last of Us Two doesn't have very many, very much of that kind of like joyful reprise. Yeah, because it's some years later, right? She's an adult at this point. She's an adult now. I think she's in. She's I think nineteen or twenty, something along those lines. So it's like a few years later. So you sit, you play almost exclusively as Ellie. Oh, well, no, you. The game is split between two different until you um, don't play scenes. as Ellie. Yeah, so you play as Ellie hunting down Abby. And uh, Ellie is traveling with a romantic interest of hers, Dina, who is a woman. And so they are kind of like being cute and gay throughout the throughout the movie. Uh, they smoke a bit of weed. They play a bit of aha. Um, it's it's all really wholesome. But then in the second half of the game, you play as Abby. And this is the bit that everyone hates. Well, everybody hates that their daddy was was murdered, which I genuinely think is the root of why everybody hated, why so many people on the internet hated this game so much is because their favorite character was killed. I So I, interestingly, I my experience with games, obviously never having played any of them, but there are a mm-hmm. couple of games where I have watched people play them. And The Last of Us is one of those where I've not, the entire game but like certain segments because of the fact that you're right it kind of is like a movie that you're playing through and Mm -hmm. so it was fascinating to me as someone who is so interested in like narrative like arcs and theming and and like all of this kind of stuff you do kind of did dramaturgy as a theatrical practice how 
intensely people reacted to it. And I think that it is exactly the element that you were talking about, about like inhabiting a character that I can understand mm -hmm. if you have not just been watching this play out, but been inhabiting That's a character. That's our dad. To then have to play as a person mm -hmm. who got him. But like, but to me, I was like, this is fascinating because you've gone through that first game of not just the childlike wonder and all that stuff, but also this more black and white morality in a lot of ways where like you have this idea of the moral quandary at the end of he's killed all these people who could have found a cure. And that's like a unique moral quandary. Whereas you have this idea in the second one that like, but what if Joel was not good for everyone over like what if joel was the cause of like actual issues because of what he's been doing and what you've been doing playing as him in the first game and i think it that's why i was talking to a guy who kind of like hated it because it was a bit a bit, little bit too social justice -y for him mm. um it was kind of like it felt like it was like crowbarring in a load of these like social themes that he didn't think existed within that should exist in like a post-apocalyptic world like why would someone be trans in the apocalypse and it's like okay but i said that it was a really brave story to have told and i think he automatically thought that i thought oh it's brave that it has a queer lead a trans character these non-conventional um characters themes etc and i actually think it's just because they took the big risks they took such big risks and really challenged the player in the way that it told this story and i genuinely one of the 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 ending of this where you have played for maybe uh 10 to 12 hours as ellie and then you've played 10 to 12 hours of abby and you start off kind of feeling a bit ick playing abby and then you understand her you grow to empathize with her as a character as somebody who is also like missing a lot of the same things that ellie is missing she's lost so many of the people that she cares about and she's fucking angry about it and is trying desperately to find purpose in this world in the same way that ellie is and they've both turned to a really destructive way of being able to engage with this desire to enact revenge and by the end of the game you i anyways the player i, I was just like i was batting for both of them i loved both of those characters and i had to try and kill myself mm, not yes. like kill myself but i had to i was ellie trying to murder abby and i had all of those feelings of ellie and all of those feelings of abby and i was like i want to kill her but also i have been her mm. so i understand what like i understand this desire for survival and i don't think you can that is one i think is probably the best scene I have ever experienced as a gamer in any in any game ever. And I think that you can only experience something like that in gaming. Like yeah. that, you were talking about kind of like the difference between kind of like watching a character do something and being the person who does the thing. And even though these are like set pieces within the game where they're in, in The Last of Us, there's not a huge amount of kind of like deviation in the storyline. You are kind of like storyline wise, just kind of like pressing to continue in a lot of ways. But even just doing that, like pressing, <laughs> pressing triangle to strangle. <laughs> It's like, that's in enough. You're mm. sitting there being like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. But you you have to because the character that you're playing is compelled is compelled by the need to. And I don't think that you can experience that in any other medium. And it's why it's my favorite medium. Like I may have a movie podcast, but gaming is, I think, the best and most complete medium that we've ever had as human beings to tell our stories because 
you're not just reading about it or watching someone do it you are doing it Mm, it's why i find it so strange that there's there was that period like with black mirror bandersnatch and like all those things where they were trying to like make tv and make movies Mm. be interactive stuff and i'm like this is just a game. This is just, yeah. If I was just go play a game. Like it's, mm-hmm. I've, I've done a few of those. I used to work in a film school when one of the early developing developments in it was happening uh, with this company that was creating an app that you could, they would create content around it, but other people could as well. And people could watch it on this app. But it was fascinating because it was the first time that they'd screened it in a cinema with multiple people. And so we were able to, instead of voting on our phones, we voted using like these handsets, which Mm. meant that it was multiple people making the decision and it was whoever, whatever the majority decided is what happened. And that is a very different kind of experience than being one person playing a game and, and engaging with it and making the decision yourself because it became this like social experiment situation in terms it was like a very high stakes kind of crime Mm. game and so it was this idea of it became very quickly apparent that the majority of the audience basically wanted this guy to be an asshole (laughs) and so that's what happens when you have you have similar things with like twitch plays stuff so Mm. you can get apis that uh where your chat or your youtube chat or wherever can decide what the direction is and the amount of chaos mm. like i think one of the first versions of this that really took off was like twitch plays pokemon and it is the most fascinating it was the most fascinating social experiment that i have ever seen in that vein i love that stuff it's really interesting because you're it also changes the way in which you interact with the thing itself because when if you have been playing alone it might have been a lot more of like a hard boiled graphic like crime th- it's like a sort of real time one night they'd done it really really well where instead of it being like an awkward holding scene like they're just not doing anything while you wait to make a decision they asked you to make the decision and then had the actor play out making like thinking about it so that it didn't feel like they Mm -hmm. had paused like the tension was still there but by the time it became apparent that the majority of people just wanted him to be chaotic and like an asshole we got there was a bit where everyone had now picked up on it and he was running with this woman who he was like allied with and she stumbled and the decision was, do you help her or not? Mm. And the entire cinema started laughing because we all knew that every, the majority assholes in the room were going to say, yeah, fuck her, leave her behind. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was weird because it became like this communal humor experience and a thing that could have been a very serious narrative. And I think it's that, I guess, like what you bring to it when you said the idea of this is always the same narrative, you're basically just clicking to continue, but it sounds like there's a lot of the feelings of the players and how you are interpreting the characters and what's happening that feels kind of particular. So we do like on the, our Patreon, we have a queer movie watch along. And what's always really interesting for me is in the discord, everyone is, is text chatting in the discord and we get to see in real time how everyone is reacting differently to like key moments in movies of characters Mm. who do something messed up or characters who are doing something really good for the first time or and so many people disagree on how to interpret individual moments and like that must be the same in these games where you're even though it technically is like a fixed storyline there's still so much interpretation yeah 100 percent I, it's this has just made me think that you need to play Detroit Become Human um, because that is basically a video game, but it's like the Bandersnatch kind of like vibes of mm. you of really I like everything like you can play through multiple, multiple times and still not unlock every single thing that happens. I only know about that game because 
my friend Alice, um, who wrote Heartstopper, did a yeah. a Heartstopper become human AU comic web comic. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's great because it's clearly like it's like a it's it's not the exact storyline of the original or not one of the exact storylines of the original, but I think it's very kind of similar energy. And so mm. I just know a bunch of stuff about the lore of that game because I've <laughs> read it in a web comic. Oh my, that's the most Rowan thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> I know, truly. It's fine. I, I was going to be like, maybe next time we're together, I'll play it. But I here's how much I don't understand gaming. I don't know, like, do I need a console? Like, are people... Uh, even me earlier saying video game, I was like, is that how people call it? Is it a computer game? Is it a video game? Like, I truly don't Christ, even know Christ how people beamer. play things. Do you just use a computer? Do I have to build a PC, Jazza? <laughs> I do want us at some point to do like a gaming stream um, because I think that that will be one of the most hilarious things on the internet. You do. Teach me. But yeah, before we wrap up, I do also, I wish we should talk about Lev. Yes. So Lev is the trans character, right? Yeah. So Lev is played by Ian Alexander, who was in the OA and Mm -hmm. is uh, is also a character in star trek discovery which everyone loves and alexander has a really interesting kind of like take of this because they were playing this character before they were able to kind of like like as they were still kind of like navigating their own gender identity um and so were able to play this trans character in a post-apocalyptic world and also played a trans character who is growing up in a cult in the world of The Last of Us, which I don't know if am I allowed to say that Mormonism is a cult, but Ian Alexander grew up in um, Mormonism and didn't have a great time with the acceptance with their family. But I challenge anybody to play through the Abbey section of this game and Lev becomes like a companion character to Abby in exactly the same way that Ellie was the companion character to Joel in the first game. And if anyone comes anywhere near my son, Lev, I will cut you. (laughs) Like the paternal maternal instincts that you have towards this character is just like so intense. You just want to look after him because he's had such a shitty, such a shitty time. And also is kind of like dealing with like the overarching theme of this is of these games is like loss and then finding a reason to go on after you have loss. And the only people who ever accepted Lev were his immediate family and uh, he loses them and then finds, ends up finding Abby, which is another one of the reasons that you end up empathizing with Abby so much. Uh, There's been some criticism about the way that Lev has been portrayed, uh, like as a vehicle of being able to further Abby's character rather than having very much himself. But I am kind of okay with that. Those characters exist for a reason. And it just so happens that Lev is like a, a, a trans character it, out occupying that role. But there's some really great scenes between Lev and Abby. There's also some criticism from the second game because Lev gets dead named in the gameplay. I would argue... I'm not trans and I don't have a dead name. So um, uh, it's not for me to decide. But I think it makes sense in the storytelling of this game. It's not meant for kind of like sensationalism. It feels like a thing that would actually happen to this character Mm. but then the i think the game is really great at the way that it handles that to and fro between lev and abby because 
Lev goes, did you hear what they called me? And Abby goes, yes. And Lev goes, do you want to ask me anything about it? And then Abby, instead of going, yes, Abby goes, do you want me to ask you about it? Like, is this something that you want to talk about? And I think that that presentation of like being an ally to like a trans person and not kind of like bringing those kinds of conversations to them, but allowing them to bring them to you, I think Mm. was a, I mean, I've never seen that portrayed in a game and I, there's very few media properties that I think have shown that kind of Mm. interaction very well. I mean, like this is a, this is just like as a, a question, I guess there is with the idea that games can allow you to enter into someone's world and with the idea that in movies and TV shows, we kind of had once representation started, we had a period of like didactic representation or sort of like, here's here's your lesson, like cis straight people about this. Do you think there's a danger of having this sort of didactic queer representation and trans representation in these games where what you're functionally going to end up having is a bunch of queer people being forced to like play through transphobia or homophobia or like shitty situations because of this idea of like well we can use it as an empathy exercise or do you feel Mm. like we're far enough along in other media that games are just gonna like you know get through that quick not actually do that and actually try and kind of move beyond that in a way i don't want these representations and stories I don't. I don't think that 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 part of the game and Lev's storyline. I don't think exi- it exists to educate the straight cis audience. I think it exists to deepen Lev's character. And as long as that is the intent of the work, I think it is okay for stuff like homophobia and transphobia to exist in these games in a way that isn't sensationalist or just kind of like crass i think a really good example of how this is done badly is throughout the grand theft auto games where trans women especially are um misgendered portrayed in like a really like the transphobia in that game you could argue is based in some realism but i think it goes to kind of like a polar opposite of this is just it's it's done for a laugh and it's done for Mm. a shock value rather than it being done to deepen a character yeah. and their experience. And I th- and yeah, for, for me, as long as that's the basis on which it's built, which obviously is going to be subjective for some people, is very interesting. I, I do want to raise as well, there's this really great um, game reviewer, Jimquisition, Stephanie Jim Sterling, who's a trans woman in the UK, and she was reviewing the most recent Final Fantasy game where you are a social outcast where people throw abuse at you at the beginning of the game people abuse you in the streets and like throw insults at you and and um spitting you and she was like as a trans woman in the uk i don't feel like i want that in my games Mm, yeah (laughs) i already feel like it's it's a really shitty experience for me and i kind of don't want to go into a game where i'm looking to have escapism in order for me to feel like a persecuted minority essentially like that Mm. wasn't fun for her which I completely understand, but I don't think it means that we shouldn't have those games. But I think that I th- it's a case for trigger warnings, right? Mm, like yeah. I, th- I think that as long as you know that that stuff is is coming and you can opt out of it if you want to, maybe there can be options to kind of like skip particular parts of the story. I don't know how to how to do that in kind of like a, a smooth way. But yeah, I wouldn't take them out of games completely. 
interesting thank you so much for answering all of my gay gaming questions and telling me all about the last thank you for letting me thank you for letting me (laughs) i really liked it um i don't know whether i mean normally at the end of our episodes we do ratings based on the rainbow flag i don't know whether you would like to rate these games yes just just yourself (laughs) i can't contribute but um if you would like to, for those of you who I guess, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, sort of wild decision you've made. Yeah, this is not representative of any of the content. Of, of any of our content, but um, <laughs> other than us being charming and witty and, and the best of friends. Um, mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, six stripes in the rainbow flag. And so we're marking out of six. And then we also attribute of the stripes we've given, which colors would we pick from the rainbow flag? So because they all mm-hmm. have their own meaning. So red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, and purple for spirit. So, I mean, do you want to do the franchise as a whole or specifically the first or second? What are you thinking? I mean, we could do the franchise as a whole, the first, the second, or the first, the second, the DLC. And I think they would all get different Mm. marks on this. So I'm just going to go simply and kind of like do it as a whole. The base game, not queer enough, frankly. It would probably get only a couple of bands. The DLC, queer enough, but I don't think the gameplay is really enough um uh, but it is only dlc it's only meant to be kind of like a couple of hours wandering around or like an hour wandering around a a shopping mall the third game i think is it is my favorite of those three experiences and so i'm kind of like going to use that as the lens through which to mark this whole franchise Mm -hmm. and i'm going to give it five out of six so I'm going to give it red for life mm-hmm. because Joel's not alive. Um, uh, yeah. I'm going to give it um, orange for healing because um, Ellie's immune. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it nice. sun for sunlight because these are gorgeous games. Like the mm. remasters for the for the um, later versions of the PlayStation from um, after it was initially released in 2013. Stunning mm-hmm. games. Nature because the whole thing, like the... Si- nature reclaiming everything and then yeah. i'm not going to give Mushrooms. it harmony because you literally have to try and murder your yourself yourself um, yeah uh but i am going to give it spirit because you try and murder yourself mm. and that takes a lot of guts <laughs> that takes a yeah, lot of spirit yeah, a lot of spirit exactly <laughs> so yeah five out of five out of the six for the last of us as a franchise as a whole stunning thank you so much for listening if you enjoy these episodes, uh, go back and kind of like, if this is your first time listening to us, go back and listen to a few of them. Um, you can also support us on Patreon as well as supporting independent queer media. Uh, you are also be able to access an episode where we reviewed season one of the show. So there's a little tie in there, a little incentive if you want to hear me and Rowan talk about that for about 40 minutes. As a patron, you also get to join our Queer Movie Club where we watch along together a video on Discord each month. Um, And at higher levels, you also get access to um, some newsletters and uh, like our recommendation lists as well. Um, We, as part of that, we would love to thank our two uh, patrons who are supporting on the Rainbow Parent tier, Jennifer and Toby. Thank you so much for supporting us there. We are so lucky to have your support thank you very much um make sure you're following us um and subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified when our next episode goes up we have been jazza john and Ryan ellis we we are edited by julia shafini and are part of multitude find more of their amazing stuff at multitude.productions thank you very much my darlings bye bye bye